not in competition with Jesus about being seen. I'm not in competition with the Holy Spirit. Is it going to be speaking about Jesus or speaking about me? He must become greater. Number two. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. Though I am working, though I am serving, though I am on a team and I'm doing this or I'm doing that or I'm doing a ministry on my own somehow, that, boy, I understand. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. It doesn't matter how much the people say, oh, great sermon. No, I'm nothing. Thankful to be used by God. Doesn't matter how the people praise us. Lord, thank you. That could be used by you today to touch someone's life. And it's that area. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. Now we don't like to be described that way. We like to be given some type of credit. It would be nice if Dr. Paul would have been up there or Dr. Apollos would have been up there. That they helped the Lord Jesus. But the Lord says, they're not anything. No matter how great these men may be, they're not anything. But only God who makes things grow. Catch that. It's only God who gives the increase in people's lives. It's only God that can cause people to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only God who can transform us. It's not a prison system. It's not some other type of system. It's only God himself who can transform an individual's heart and life. Nobody else can do that. Thirdly, I'm not going to rob God's glory. He did it. One of the best things you can do sometime when God has used you is get away from everybody else and just fall on your knees and say, thank you, Lord. You know you've been used. You know what has happened was not because of you. But you give him all the glory. You give him all the praise for he's the one who opened the door. He's the one who has kept you. He's the one who put you on that platform. He's the one who allowed you to do what you're doing. He's the one. And you acknowledge that. Sincerely. Because he's not going to share his glory with anyone. Remember he that lifts up can also bring down. He that who appoints kings can also remove kings. He who brings glory and honor to you and allow you to win trophies and allow you to win citations and allow you to win that can also quiet it all. He can also cause you very quickly to be forgotten. Don't matter what 
your moment of fame may have been. In Acts 9, 32-42, Dorcas is pictured in with this great apostle Peter. And with Peter, it's the thing of the healing that's going on. And Peter's just traveling, and Peter's right out front there. And Peter's the one that's being seen, in a sense. And here's this Dorcas. She's there. And she's ministering to people. And she's going to touch the lives of people. Now understand this. And I think this is part of our problem sometime in our life. Dorcas was not an apostle. Dorcas was not Peter. Dorcas was not a great healer. Dorcas was not a great preacher. What Dorcas did, she sold. She sold. Yeah, she sold. You know, needle and thread. See, my, my wife has taught me to be a great sewer. I can sew buttons on anything. And the whole thing is that how many of you understand for somebody to sew, it is to be able to bring things together. To be a good sower, you have to be able to bring things together. To be a good sower, you have to be able to mend or repair. Now, a lot of people can't mend and a lot of people cannot repair. Because they got to know the material. They got to know what they're putting together and mending. And I think Dorcas had that gift of sewing people's lives together with other folks. Because she said that she was kind to all people. And she did good deeds to all people. And I'm willing to say that's with the poor and the rich. Because it mentions the poor. It doesn't say rich. But Dorcas was getting her supplies from somebody. It takes a keen eye. If you're not watching what you're doing and you're not careful, those stitches can run all over the place. A tight stitch, a close-knit stitch is important. It takes a sturdy hand. How many of you have tried to push a needle through some material? You wind up doing what? <laughs> you know? But there's a way of getting it through there. You know? And it takes a sturdy hand because a lot of times when that needle jumps back at you, you're ready to do what with it? <laughs> yeah. And it takes skill to sew. Everybody can't sew. Hey. My Aunt Lizzie could sew. My grandmother couldn't. She could sew some. 
but not like my Aunt Lizzie. My Aunt Lizzie would take a sheet and we wear it to church on Sunday. And people didn't know it was a sheet. And she would take newspaper and put it up against you and your back and everything and make her pattern out of newspaper. And next thing you know, you're wearing it. No. She could sew. I mean, Charles wanted a cook hat or, or what apron. And she had Charles come out and she just zoom, zoom, zoom. And a few days, Charles had his apron. She sewed so well that one of the ladies in the senior luncheon where she would attend asked her to make an apron. And she made it. Then people started asking her. Now, this is somewhere in her 80s. People started asking her, would you make me an apron? Would you make me an apron? And they started paying her 15 to $20 for these aprons because aprons was getting hard to find in the store. <laughs> but older people were just accustomed in the morning, get up when they get dressed. Guess what was part of their outfit? The apron. <laughs> and they were asking her, would you make an apron for me? Will, will you make an apron? And she made them. 80 years old, sewing yet. And enjoyed herself. And Dorcas, she sewed. She mend lives together. She was skillful in what she did. It was her gift. God uses great men like Peter, but he also uses those who have the gift of kindness. People who are willing to make use of their gift. That is given to them. Are you willing to make use of the gift that is given to you? See, one of the failures of the church today is everybody wants to be the pastor. Everybody wants to preach. Everybody wants to do their big shake in his head. So not everybody. But the thing is this here. The greatest thing you'll ever be in life is a servant of the Most High God. doesn't matter about title. The question is, are you a true servant? Are you there to glorify Him? Are you there to lift Him up? That's what is great, is that you can say honestly, I'm a servant of the living God, and I serve Him wholeheartedly. I serve Him. You don't serve pastor. You don't serve denominations. You don't serve deacons. You don't serve people per se. You serve him. And because you serve him, you're serving the others. Make use of the gift God has given you. Go to verse 36 in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 and verse 36. Look what it says about Dorcas. Like I said, she wasn't this big apostle. She wasn't the healer. She wasn't all this other stuff. But I, I want you to really take a good look at her, though, because it says in verse 36, let me get there. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated is Dorcas. In the Aramaic, it was Tabitha. In the Greek is Dorcas, who was also, who was always doing what? Good. Didn't matter if you rich, poor, intelligent, 
not. If you had title, didn't have titles. What Dorcas recognized was this here. I don't care what range you might be in. We all have needs. We all have needs. We all have needs. And what Dorcas had was a spiritual eye to see the need. To see the needs. And we need to be praying, Lord, give me spiritual eyes that I can see the need. That I can see the need. That I can make use of my gift that you've given me. Give me spiritual eyes. Dorcas had a mind and a heart to minister to the apparent needs of people. She had a heart and a mind to do that. She wanted to serve. She wanted to be in ministry. She wanted to be involved. She didn't have to wait for a church to say, go do this, go do that. She did it because she saw the need. Too often today, one of the things that crippled the church is that, boy, I got to go ask the pastor if I can do it. No, if God lays it on your heart, you got one who will direct your life. He's called the Holy Spirit. And you get involved in ministry. Too many people are hurting out here because the Christian world don't see the need of just ministering to a next door neighbor, somebody across the street, somebody that I'm working with. It takes pastor to say, go to your co-worker and minister to him. But God put you there to minister. God put you there to help counsel them. God put you there in that darkness to be the light of the world. God has placed you in places to use your gift if you'll open it up and allow Him to really direct you and have a heart and a mind to serve. Period. A heart and a mind to serve. What needs do you see in the lives of people? Do you see people who just need to be taught? My wife is sharing, and she keeps saying this statement over and over again. They don't know better. They don't know any better. They don't know any better. They were not taught. And we see a lot of young girls and a lot of young men. Guess what? They're without fathers, or they really don't have mothers who teach them. And they don't know how to dress. They don't really know how to fix their hair. They really don't know how to set goals. They don't know what a respectful life is really like. They don't know. Unless somebody teach them. And what we've done, we've thrown so many to the wolves and we say, let the world teach them. Let the school of hard knocks teach them. Look around and see people who just need to be taught. And understand, teachers get their feelings hurt every day. Teachers get spit on. Teachers get kicked. Teachers get called out a name. But they still teach. People may need to be taught. Then just cared for. Can you see people who just have a need of somebody just caring for them? That's all. Just caring for them. Genuinely caring. Now I'm not talking about going up and you can come back on Sunday and say, I did this and I did that. That's for who? Yeah. 
there's a prideful testimony and there's a humble testimony that says God gave me a privilege to minister to in this way. And can you find people who just want to be cared for, really loved, genuinely loved, and appreciated for who they are in spite of what they're doing? (laughs) And then people just are left out. They feel they don't fit where? And we have a lot of people like that today. A lot of people who just sense or feel they don't fit in. They're not a part. They're not acceptable to others. And they're lonely. And they're hurting. Because they're just left out. They're not the famous ones. They're not the ones that you would go out and say, you be on my team. You come on and play with me. You come on and have a cup of coffee with me. You come and do this. They're always left out. They're never invited to anything. And you have a lot of people like that. And our prayer should be, Lord, open my eyes. That I can see and minister. Because my word may be a gift of encouragement. And that's my gift. And I want to be able to encourage. And I want to have the spiritual eyesight. Go to Romans 12, 11 with me. Because I think this is part of what is missing in the church also. Is that we lose things along the way. And um, oftentimes when we lose, it's hard to pick it back up. And listen to what the Lord challenges us with. In that verse 11, he says, never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in zeal. A desire to perform, a desire to do, a wanting to do. Never be lacking in zeal when it comes to serve. You can be asked to do something. Nope. Asked. Nope. Nope. People take every opportunity you can to serve. Take every opportunity granted you to serve. Because you're not serving man, you're serving the Lord. Now understand, yes, you can't do everything. But you can do some things. And when you lose your zeal, you'll do nothing. Ask yourself, what are you doing? If it's nothing, you've lost your zeal. You've lost your desire to really serve the Lord and be a servant. And oftentimes when people lose their zeal, watch this. They become takers and not givers. They want everybody to serve them, but they don't want to serve anybody. They want to get all they can get, but they don't want to give anything out. When you lose your zeal. Go up to verses 5 through 8 with me. Same chapter. Started with verse 5. He says... So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts. Dorcas had a different gift than Peter, but she was using her gift. Her gift was not healing per se, but her 
gift was bringing people together, mending them together, sewing them together, showing them how to work together. But she didn't have the gift of physical healing. Nor was she intimidated by by Peter's gift. She used her gift. So in Christ, we who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts. We have different gifts. According to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion of his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing or giving to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him do that. Whatever it is, the Lord said, do it. Dorothy didn't stand in the shadow of Peter talking about, oh, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. I, I wish. No, she discovered her own gift. And she performed. And she performed. Now, Satan has taught his demons to do something to us. And he's taught his demons to whisper this into our ears. What do people think about you? What do people think about you? See, you ain't nothing but a stream sis. You're, you're nothing but somebody who sews some rags together. You're not as great as I am. You're not really preaching God's word. You're, you're not really healing anybody. You're not being used over here. Only thing you do is take a piece of thread, throw it through a needle, and you just sew a little bit. That's all you do. And we allow Satan to beat us up. If God gives you a gift of polishing floors, polish those floors to the glory of God. Because people are going to take note of them. If God gives you the ability to cook, cook to the glory of God. I remember Elaine and I, when we were down in Georgia and... and uh, Sister, you know her last name, the chicken? Um, she would invite us over for chicken. And then she'd come in the living room and talk. We start smelling the chicken. And we, we would try to break her conversation and say, you need to go look at the chicken. And she, God got it. <laughs> you know, I think the chicken, God got it. <laughs> but when we sat down at that dinner table, God had it because it was good. You know. And the thing is, what she was doing, she was encouraging us. Sometimes she used to tell me, boy, one day you're going to be a great preacher. It's just not yet, but you're going to do it one day. (laughs) The, The whole thing is this here. Use your gift. Don't let Satan trick you in saying, boy, what do other people think about you doing that? It's not about what other people think about what you're doing. Your only question is this. Is it pleasing to God? Is it pleasing to God? Has God assigned me this task? And is it pleasing to him? Not, not what other people are thinking. Dorcas was not seeking recognition from others. And, and, and you, we got to come to a point. 
that when we serve people, we're not looking for a pat on the back. We're not looking for a bunch of recognition. Now, it's good that people recognize others for what they do, but that should not be our main focus and our main reason. Dorcas was not making these clothes and these coats to be recognized per se. She was doing it because there was a genuine need and she was meeting the need. And she was serving people. She was helping people. She was being a blessing to people. It was not being recognized. And oftentimes we won't do because, boy, we're not being recognized. I'm not the one to get up front and I'm not the one giving credit. Does it matter where a great idea really comes from if it serves the people? It really doesn't matter. But the one who gave it really know they gave it. But they know also this. It didn't come through their thoughts or their brain. It wasn't for God dropping it in. It wouldn't be there. The Spirit led people go to work. When you're really led of the Spirit, you go to work. You can tell when the Spirit is dormant in people, they do nothing. And when they do do, they're doing it through the power of the flesh. But when it's done of the Spirit, how many of you remember Walt Disney's little film, the uh, uh, um, Snow White? Remember the doors? Remember the little song that they were saying? I whistle. When you're being led of the Spirit, doing the work, you just sing along, whistle along. You just have yourself a good time. You just whistle while you're working. And people wonder, what are they, whistling? What, what are they so happy about? Because they don't know who's helping you do the work. And who's ministering to you while you're doing the work. Spirit-led people go to work. Dorcas ministered to the rich and the poor. She was able to bring what the rich people sometimes don't have the ability to do, is reach over here and really minister. She was able to stitch them together, bring the poor, bring the rich, take their clothes, even if she had to retell them, but you're throwing something away, but here's somebody who has a need. I need five yards of yarn. I need five yards of clothing or Material, because I need to make a coat. I need to make a shirt. I need to make a pair of pants. She was able to somehow hook these two up. Even though it doesn't mention the rich, Dorcas herself was not rich. So where was she getting the money? Where was she getting the things that she needed to make all these clothes? She involved another group of people. Understand the rich need the poor and the poor need the rich. We need each other. We need each other. Dorcas is living out James 2.14. And uh, oftentimes we miss that. Um, she's living that out. Go to James 2.14 with me. Because it says that she had many deeds. That she did a lot of good work. And what is it that we ourselves are called to do? 
God says we are his workmanship, created for good works. Now, oftentimes we get good works mixed up. And a lot of times with the Christian church, we stop doing good works because we don't want to be labeled social gospel. Or we don't want to be labeled, all you do is a bunch of good works. On Moody the other day, if you were listening, doing comparison of different religions, one of the men said, we can learn a lot. Us evangelicals could learn a lot from the Catholics because of all the good works that they do. James 2.14 What good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith? Oh, I got faith. I believe this mighty God. I believe this God can do anything. I believe God can do the impossible. I believe God can provide this and God can provide this. And God is able to open this. And God can do this. And sit down. What is that person's faith doing? Absolutely what? Nothing. And God says, the way that people see your faith in action is by your deeds and your work. By your deeds and by your work. How many of you have deeds and work? And understand this. Your deeds and your work will speak volume of you. Go to Hebrews 6.10. Hebrews 6.10. Just one book back from James. Hebrews 6.10. Look what the Lord says. He says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your what? Your what? It don't matter if nobody else acknowledges you. Who's acknowledging? God. He says he won't forget your work. And the love you have shown him as you have helped his what? His people. And continue to help them. He says what? Continue to help them. Continue to do good deeds. Continue to work. Continue to do this. But oftentimes, we stop. We stop. Go to Matthew 6, 1 through 4. Matthew 6, 1 through 4. Here's a picture of Dorcas now. Here's a picture of Dorcas. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. Now, honestly, every Maybe every garment Dorcas made was seen by who? But Dorcas went not there saying, see, I made them pants that he's wearing. <laughs> oh, see that beautiful shirt that, see how I have I made that. Oh, see that blouse? Oh, I did that. Oh, see that skirt? Oh, I did that. She was quiet. She was quiet. She wouldn't boastful about it. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. You, you're not going to be rewarded by God. 
And man's reward quickly fade. When I was in school, I won trophies for football. I won trophies for basketball. I still got a couple of clippings of mine from the Beekner Journal. From football glory. Every every now and then I look at it. But I don't know why I look at it because it's so dumb to think I can go back there. But today, I don't know where those trophies are. I don't know where those trophies are. I don't know where the citations came from. Or where they have went. And he says, you receive rewards from men. They quickly what? Disappear. Every now and then I think about writing the college and say, would you send me a copy of my degree if I can hang it up in the office? I've never hung my degree up in the office. God took me through school and that was a miracle. You know. And, and I never hung it up. Only thing I got is a little plastic card. And what happened when we were building our home, I had a bunch of stuff from school days and, and so forth. I had them in a the trunk. Somebody broke in the house and stole that trunk. And everything was gone. My degrees, different honorary things. But God knows. So I don't worry about it anymore. God knows. Who do I have to impress but Him? But Him. I don't have to impress nobody. You don't have to impress nobody but God. But God. You don't have to show off for nobody but God. (laughs) But God. Be at your best for Him. Been showing off His glory. And he goes on, he says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with a trumpet as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what the right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret, will what? Yes. God is not a debtor to any man. When you serve him, God's going to reward you. When you serve him and serve others, God's going to bless you. You're not going to miss anything. Now, tell me something. What temptation overtakes you that keeps you from serving? What temptation? What is it? What temptation do we face? They will not appreciate it. Satan whispers that in my ear real quick. They're not going to appreciate it. They're just going to take it. You won't even get a thank you. They won't even acknowledge that you did it. Should that stop you from serving? I hate to say it, but the attitudes of other people have stopped much of the church from performing good works. 
The other one is, it's going to cost you too much. And ministry does cost. And one of the things when it comes here, one of the things I got to what's going to be the cost? I have to ask that. But it should not be the sole purpose of not performing ministry. I tell a lot of people, from the things we used to do at the carnival and sitting down with our, our insurance man and, and what took place here, it was becoming too much of a high risk. Now, I still want to do ministry, but I got to do it at a what? A lower risk. I don't want to be doing ministry and something happens that could wipe out the total ministry. That could take the church, put us in financial debt, that would cause us to cease from doing anything. And today you have to watch that because people are so itchy to sue. And if you could see how many churches are being sued today, it would be amazing. It's amazing. We fought a court battle, a CMA church in New York, fought a court battle for three years. It almost broke the district. If the other districts did not come along to help. But we was in court for three years fighting an issue and finally won it. How much time will it take? If you're going to serve and you're going to be in ministry, it's going to absorb your time. And oftentimes it takes place at a very inconvenient time. The thing is, is God more important than this if God has set this as an assignment for you? And he says, boy, how much time? Let me jump back up to cheap. We're looking for cheap ministry, aren't we? There is no cheap ministry, really. And when it comes to ministry, it's going to take time. When you step into somebody's house to encourage or minister to them or comfort them, you don't know how long you'll be there. When you step into a hospital situation sometimes, you don't know how long you're going to be there. A lot of times I, I'm going, boy, and I'm saying, okay, I'm going to go in there, say my prayer, say my reading over them and so forth, and, I'm, and wind up being there for two and a half hours. Dorcas's reward. Let's look at them real quick. Because here's a woman who was faithful in her ministry. And oftentimes we don't think we're going to be rewarded. Though she is in somewhat the shadows of a Peter, she's not flinching at that. It really doesn't matter. She's doing her thing. She's using her gift. It's not about what somebody else is doing. The real issue is, what are you doing? What are you doing? How are you serving? Are you only a taker or are you also a giver? Go to verse 37 in chapter 9. Verse 37. About that time she became sick and died. And her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. What's her reward? Oh boy, she's dead. But you know something about the text that doesn't tell us? 
if there was a mother, father, brother, sister. It doesn't tell us that there was family there. But the people she served, the people she ministered to, washed her body, prepared her body for the funeral, took her body upstairs. What are they doing? Ministering to her. Because it didn't tell us that there's a mother, father, or family, brothers, or sister doing that. It said they washed the body. They're ministering. When you minister to people, eventually it will come back to you. It will come back to you. When you truly minister to people. And they took care of that body. Because she was somebody special. They just didn't kick it to the curb. They just didn't quickly just throw it out. They ministered to this woman who they appreciated and loved and took care of her, even though she was dead. Catch the second thing now in verse 38. It says, Lydia was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydia, they sent two men to him. And urged him, please come at once. Now, she's dead already. But they're believing, if I can just get the right what? The right help. The right people. The right person there. Boy, what might happen? And they go and they say, Peter, come quickly. Peter, come quickly. Peter, come quickly. Now remember, she's dead. So it's not her faith. It's not her doing. It's the doing of those that she had ministered to. That put their faith in action. And they send two men to go to Lydia and bring this Peter. Because we know Peter does what? He heals. Go get him. Whatever the distance, go and do it quickly. Don't take time and stop by the store and do a little shopping. Don't take time to see a little sightseeing. Go quickly. And they do it. And they bring him back. These are people whom she had ministered to that are now doing what she cannot do for herself. Look at verse 39 with me. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Dorcas didn't sing her own praises, but the people she ministered to did what? Song her praises. They're showing how important Dorcas is to them. They're involved in lifting Dorcas up. Dorcas isn't trying to lift herself up. It's the people she ministered to that lifts her up. And they demonstrate that. 
Paul, your reward is in the people that you serve. And then catch verse 40. Peter sent them all out of the room that he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. She's living. I want you to see what transpires here. When you serve people, and you're about mending the lives of people, and you're about stitching the lives of people together, you're helping people now to live life. Catch that. All her life she's been doing good works, helping other people learn how to really live life. And when she had no life, in a sense, they are the ones who give her life through Peter. They give her life and she lives again. Understand what you do. God always sees. It's not about your title, position, It's about your servanthood unto God. It's about your servanthood unto God. And that's what's important. I had a gentleman once tell me, I wouldn't do that. You are the pastor. You know what God gifted me. I know how to do this. It needs to be done. I do it. I had no problem tearing the furnaces down back there and putting new motors in. You shouldn't be doing that. Well, I did that before the Lord called me into his service. (laughs) Why not? If I can save the church X amount of dollars, why not? I don't do it anymore because my hands cramp up now. These knees won't get up and down like they used to. So now, boy, yeah, come on, service guy. (laughs) But there's things we can do. And we ought to be willing to do it. When they saw her need, they did all they could do to meet her need. And that was the reason she had life because God gave her life again. But while she lived, she worked to give them life. Who are you working on behalf of to give them life? Who are you serving to give them life? Because the word says they are dead in their sins. And unless you're willing to serve, unless you're willing to snitch and sew together a life of an unbeliever to a believer with Jesus Christ, unless you're willing to look into a believer's life and do some mending in their life, Are you willing to serve? Are you willing to serve? And it said many people believed in the Lord 
because what took place between Dorcas, Peter, and the people. The people, Dorcas, and Peter. It took that team for many people to believe. And it takes a team called Akron Alliance Fellowship to help bring many people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's not pastor only. It's not elders only. It's not this person only. It takes the team to bring people to life in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your loving kindness unto us. And we thank you for your word and we thank you, Lord, for Esther. We thank you, Lord, for Rahab. We thank you, Lord, for Dorcas. That, Lord, that we can see in their lives how you built them up, oh God, to serve others, to minister to others. And, Lord, though each one of them had a different ministry, and yet, Lord, you somehow strengthened each one of them. Where Dorcas, Lord, it was not about her. It was about the needs of the people. It was not about how much work she was doing, oh God. It was the need of the people. It was not about bragging or looking for recognition. It was not about how much money she could make. It was the need of the people. 